0: Timeless Truths, our journey through First John. Our teacher this evening is a good friend of mine, Vince Frantum, father of four kids, and he's the managing director of Eagle Eyes Janitorial Services, and he is a student of the Word. So Vince, we turn it to you right now.
1: We're going to be looking tonight at uh, First John, Chapter 4. We're going to read through verses 15 through 21 just to uh, make sure we understand it. So if you'll we'll just follow with me. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar, for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we just ask right now for a peace in our heart. And uh, the quietness in our soul that we may hear your word. We pray that you would open the eyes of our spirit to see the truth in the word that is meant for us as individuals, and that would guide and direct us, Lord, to be able to come more and more like your son, Jesus. And to that end, we glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, in our society today, we, uh, we have a culture that loves to use words. Um, I remember when Starbucks first came out, you know, coffee became the big thing. And they had a lot of different terms for coffee. Um, anybody here a Starbucks lover? You go to Starbucks all the time? No? Okay, well, I am. <laughs> and so when I go to Starbucks, I usually I order for I order for myself a Vente caramel macchiato, okay, and then I tell them with no foam, extra caramel stirred, non-fat milk. <laughs> and when I see it, they know exactly what I want. So, there's, you know, some people order lattes, some people order cappuccinos, they get grandes, they get lattes, whatever. It's a culture of language for the coffee people. You know, we have the same thing in the world when it comes to the culture of love. Except for the most part, in, in society today, love is a word that we use as a generic word. You know, I say I love my coffee. Then I turn around and I say to my wife, oh, I love you, honey. Well, do I love her like I love my coffee? You know? And some guys are hunters, and they just love to go hunting. And those just go all out, and they'll go all the way to go hunting. And then they go, oh, honey, I love you. Well, can you take the trash out? Oh I'll let one of the kids get it, honey. But they love her. But they love them like they love hunting. So words are semantic in a sense that, you know, it means something different to everybody. So what we have to really understand about perfect love is what is it that it means to God? You know, in the Greek language, there are really eight root words for love. Now, for the most part, we all know what four of them are. We know what eros is, which is the love of desire, the love of passion. Storge is the love of family, or the love of kinship. Phileo is the love of friendship. Agape is or agapeo is a, a love of prizing. It's a love of 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 uh, Meeting the best of your best needs at my greatest cost. Okay, but there's also four others. There's ludus, which is love, which is a love of playfulness, like young couples that are engaged or dating. You know, they're playful in their love, and there's also pragma, which is a long standing love. This is something that we see in people like Pastor and his wife after 37 years. You know, it's a long standing, solid, deep love. Um, There's also uh, Kenya, which is a gracious love. And then there's also palantia, which is a love of, of great liking, okay, or almost to worshiping, which we see a lot of times in the young kids when they go off to concerts. So there's all these different loves, but, but the one love that God took out of the Greek language, agapio, he instilled in it a deep meaning, a sacrificial meaning. And So what we want to look at tonight is the, the, how this perfect love that God has given to us is going to cast out fear. Okay? Now the problem with agape love is that John 1 tells us that no man has seen God at any time. So if we're to love people, if we're to love one another as God has loved us, we need having an example of love. Because if we don't see God, we can't see his love. Unless he sees it how? Through his son, Jesus Christ. And so when he sent his son to us, he demonstrated his love by showing us his love through his son. How he gave his son up his only begotten son. And in that showing us that he demonstrated his love, then his son came along and demonstrated his love to us by dying on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we see that the problem of love is was satisfied by God demonstrating his love and then showing it to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And the the thing that that God did was when he not only showed us his love, he wanted to give us his love. And so Romans 5.5 5 says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart through Jesus Christ. Now that word shed in the Greek means to be poured out and overflowing. So what this says is that when we have the fullness of God's love in our hearts, we have a love that is just, it can't be drained. It's Okay, it's, it's deeper than we could ever find a, a use for. And so what we need to see here is that Paul, when he was praying to us, if someone would turn to Ephesians 3 with me and read verses 16 through 20.
2: That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God now unto him that is able to be seen abundantly above all that we ask or think
1: according to the power that we have Okay, so here we see Paul praying that we would be filled, okay? And in verse 16 he says that he wants us to be strengthened with power, with his spirit. It's the empowerment we have. When we are to walk in love, we have that power from the Holy Spirit. And verse 17 and 18 says that he wants us to be rooted and grounded in that love. So what that means is is that if we have all the power, he also wants to give us the direction. He wants to enable us to have that love. So by giving us the Holy Spirit, he gives us his word for guidance and direction in that walk of love. And then he says we are to be filled up to all the fullness. That's the enrichment of what the Spirit does. So what we need to understand, Paul here is praying that what we already have in the Spirit can become a reality in our walk, in our life. Okay? And God demonstrates that to us because he says to us in Ephesians 4, he says that he asks us, for one to walk in a manner worthy of, of the calling which which you have been called. We've been called by God out of love. God called us out of love from the foundation of the world. God provided the way from the foundation of the world. I mean, I don't know about you, but that blows my mind, that before God even created us, before God even considered us, he had history, a moment of time called history, already planned out in in his mind, and it all came from love. Why? Because God is love. And love isn't love unless it's given away. And so God, because he was a God of love, wanted to give a love away to a creation that he made to love and be loved by. And So God demonstrates his love through his Son. So what I want to show you tonight is that through that love, if we look at verse 17, it says that by this love is perfected with us. By what? Verse 16, God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So what does it mean to abide in love? Simply it means to be walking and dwelling in a method or a lifestyle that is consistent with walking and abiding next to Jesus. Okay? Remember the storm on the, on the sea in Galilee? When Jesus sent the disciples out in the boat? And he says, I'll meet you on the other side. And then the storms came up. And they were all fearful of dying. And Jesus was walking back to them. And Peter looked at him. And when Peter stepped out, he had his eyes on Jesus. But the moment his eyes were off of Jesus, what happened? He started to sink. And God and Jesus said to him, Peter, you have little faith. But his faith was about loving Jesus enough to trust that what he needed to do, he would accomplish in Peter. And that's the same faith that God is asking of us. That when we walk in love, he's saying to us, you need to have the faith that when I ask you to walk this way, you're going to accomplish it through me. Keep your eyes on me. So if we abide in God, and God abides in us, okay, then the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And by this, by abiding... By walking with Jesus, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, and through his spirit and through his power, love will be perfected. Now, the word perfect there is the word teleos. And it's a word in the Greek that means it's an comp- a ongoing completion of a plan. It's something that's not finished yet, but it's a finishing towards maturity. And so what, what he's saying here is that by this abiding in God and God abiding in you, love is maturing. And so when we mature in this love, we have confidence. We have competence. And so what we have to understand is what is this competence that, that John's talking about? How is it that we can have a confidence by abiding in God and walking with God? And if you turn with me to go to Proverbs chapter 28 and look at verse 1, so we can read that verse 1, if you have it, 28-1.
2: The wicked play when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion.
1: Okay, the word wicked in the Hebrew there, in the simple root, means those who are morally wrong before God, disobedience. Who does that remind us of? Who was the first person that was morally wrong before God? Hmm? Satan. Person.
2: Steve,
1: no. Adam. And when Adam was disobedient to God, what was his first reaction?
0: Purple.
1: No, before that. No, before ran, that. Run and hide. He ran and hid. Those who stand wrong before God morally run and hide. Why? Because Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, if you'll turn to Romans 2 with me, In verse 14, it reads, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves. Now, we need to understand what this means by the law. What is the law? Paul is talking here about the law that the Hebrews had. Now, he's not talking about all the 646 things that they had to do because the law is really just one thing. What is it? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength, and love thy neighbor as yourself. This is the encapsulation of all the law. And so what Paul's saying here, when those who don't have this law or this knowledge of the law instinctively do the law, okay, is that they show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience, bearing witness in their thoughts, alternately accusing or Defending them. You see, when we were created, God created us with a vacuum to worship. We were created with a vacuum to worship him. And only he can fill that. And so (laughs) when we go to him, he says to us, I love you and I want you to love me back. That's the vacuum to love, to worship him. And so when these people who don't know him have this natural inclination to love, and we see it, We see it in the world. You cannot be a Christian and men are doing great things out of love. Because they're trying to fill that vacuum that only God can show us how to fill. But when those who instinctively do it, their minds are either alternately either accusing them or defending them about what? About the work of the law written in their heart. And so this is the action of our conscience. The conscience is saying to us, when we're doing what God wants us to do, to love We're at peace. But when we don't do it, we have that old slavish fear that Paul talks about in Romans 8.15. Okay? The fear of Adam. And when we don't walk in love, our consciousness is going back and forth about saying, hey, this is not right. Hey, this is right. Hey, this is not right. And when we don't listen to the Spirit's conviction of not doing right, when we don't stand before God morally right, we run. And we run to all kinds of things like drugs and alcohol. We run into women. We run into money. We run into buying all kinds of things. We run into work and jobs. All kinds of things. We have a pre-inclination to run to something to fill that void and to numb out that fear. To numb out that conscious um Touching of God's spirit to our heart, saying, hey, you're not standing right before me. So the wicked flee when no one is pursuing. But watch this. The righteous, and again, the word righteous there means those who are standing morally right before God are as bold as lions. Now, it's interesting because, you know, a lion, when a lion goes out out into the field, there can be all kinds of animals that are around coming at him to attack him. And you know what he does? He doesn't back down. He stands in strength. He stands in the knowledge that he is the king of the beasts, And he will have all kinds, he'll, he'll have a bunch of hyenas coming at him, and he'll stand there and he'll roar and he'll be ready to do battle. And he'll do battle till death. And so what this is saying is that when we are standing before God in the right way, No matter what comes at us, we're going to stand firm. We're going to stand firm in our faith and love and our trust that God's going to do what he says. And so the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as lions. Now, if we go back to 1 John, we'll read it again. By this, love is maturing, perfected. It's an ongoing perfection of a goal. The goal is what? The goal is to become Christ-like. To be mature in this walk of love. To be mature in being able to love one another as God has loved us. By this love is perfected, verse 17, with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Now, why does he say the day of judgment? Because God has told us that every person will stand accountable to him. And so we have that old slavish fear of accountability. But when we go before God, when we are children in Christ, when we are born again, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, we have been saved from wrath. So what's going on? Again, it's the old slavish nature. It's, it's that part of our heart from childhood that still causes us to fear that there could be something wrong. And this is the way the devil gets to you. He gets to you through fear. He'll say, well, you know what? God's got of love, but you've done this wrong. And you know what? How can he forgive you for this? Look what you did. That's the old slavish nature. So it's important for us to understand where we stand in Christ. We need to understand what it is that he has given us and how we can walk in what he has given us. So there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not, watch this, perfected or not matured in love. So the question is, is how do we know where our maturity is in love? Well, if we go on to verse 18, he says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because it involves punishment. So what we have to understand is if fear is coming up in our life, if there's something that's causing us to be afraid to do something, and I'll I'll tell you right now, a big, big thing for me is with, with, with marriage. Guys compromise all the time for loving their wives. You know, Paul said, I mean, Peter says, we are to love our wives in an understanding way. And there's so many times our wives will say, you know, you're not listening to me. You don't understand me. You know, you're not, you're not hearing what I'm trying to say to you. And, and what do we do? We just we ignore them or we go off to the TV or we, we act in a way that shuts them down. And that's not perfect love. God doesn't treat us that way. So, how do we know when this fear is coming into us, what part of that maturing love are we violating? Well, first of all, if we go to Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 22, and it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. What we need to understand here is that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, why is love the first fruit listed here? Because I believe it's a priority love. It's a priority of the fruit. Because you see, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control are all manifestations of love. They are the fruits of love. Love is the root. The rest of this is the fruit. So this is what I call attitude fruit. This is attitude fruit. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, where am I lacking? If I'm running from something, if I'm going to go, I feel like going out and getting drinking, or I I just don't want to talk to my wife, I'm going to walk out and go away for two hours. I'm famous for that, by the way. If I don't want to talk, I'll go out somewhere, and I'll be real spiritual. I'll go somewhere, and I'll read the Bible. When the reality is I'm running from trying to communicate with my wife. And and, and the only person I'm playing games with is myself. I'm not playing as a God. And after two hours of calming down, God then says, are you ready to listen to me? We need to talk. This isn't going to work. But love manifests itself in this type of an attitude as the foundation for bringing us... That peace, because you see, when we walk in love, the first thing that comes is what? Peace. Fear has been cast out. You have peace before God. You have, not only do you have the peace with God, you are now having the peace of God. And this, is, this works in your work, it works in your marriage, it works in relationships with one another's men. But the peace that passes understanding becomes the foundation of that choice to walk in love. And then when we walk in love and we have that peace with God, the next thing it says it brings us is what? Patience. That's a big one with me too. Because you know what? We love our wives the way God wants us to love them. And we love them all day long. And then the next day, guess what? They're still the same way. And I'm going, Lord, they haven't changed. What's going on? Patience. Patience. So this is the attitudes that God wants us to have as we walk in love. These are the things that shows us that we're in a standing of mature, perfect love. These are the attitude fruits. Now go to 1 Corinthians 13 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to start at verse 4. Love (laughs) is patient. Now, here it says patience is first, in Galatians it says peace is first. Why? Because this here is action fruit, the attitude fruit is in, in Galatians. But you see, Paul's assuming that if we are in love with God, if we're walking in agape love, the first manifestation of that is going to be patience. You see, when God created us from the foundation of the world, and we were born, and we came to Him, He knew He had to be patient with where we were going to be at with Him. He knows every day where He's going to be with us. He's patient with us. He's long-suffering. Because loving kindness is, is everlasting. And so he says, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous, love does not brag, it is not arrogant, it does not act unbecoming, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, love never fails. Now, what's interesting about the action fruit is this. We can love our wives day in and day out. Now, I'm using wives as an example, but this can be with brothers and sisters and friends and our work and our bosses. It doesn't matter. It could be our neighbors. It could be our enemies. But when we walk in love and we manifest the attitude fruits and we produce the action fruits to somebody else, the thing that always happens is we get upset or irritated. Or we get frustrated because we're not seeing changes in other people. But guess what? Love never fails. But God, she hasn't changed in months. Well, here's the whole thing, folks. Perfect love casts out fear and it matures in your life because it's not there to change others. It's there to change you. It's there to manifest Christ-likeness in you you. Not everybody that Christ touched changed. Not everybody that Christ met came to him. Jesus Christ came to be the Savior for all people. He died for the Savior of all, but only some came to him. The purpose of perfect love is to manifest the love of God to us, through us, to other people, so that other people see God's love. So when it says love never fails, when we walk in this love, it is consistently maturing and growing in your heart the attitude of God's love and Christ-likeness in your life. And it is producing in you a hope of glory that's going to allow us to become a beacon of light for the world to see. Are we perfect? No. That's why love forgives. But it's a way of walking in love that God is telling us. If we go back to 1 John now, again he says in verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It involves a punishment, for the one who fears is not perfected in love. Why do we love? Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. And So why should we walk in love? Because it's our job to do it first. We don't wait for somebody to get to a certain way. We don't wait for something to happen with our boss or our husbands or our wives or our children. We are to love them first, regardless of the condition of, the, of where they're at. It was interesting because I was sitting in the car a couple of weeks ago with my son. He's 22 now. And... It was really hard to love my son because he's a chip off the old block. I couldn't stand seeing me in him. You know, the stubbornness, the arrogance, all of the things that God's been chipping on my life, I'm seeing in him. And no matter what I tried to share with him, no matter what I tried to, to talk to him about, about Christianity, he just kind of like ignored it. Well, he came to me one day, he said, i got to talk, Dad. I go, okay. And I go, Lord. Help me just to listen. And so he talked to me about a girl, a girl that he really, really liked. And they had gotten gotten to dating and everything, but then she moved away to college. And he was trying to communicate with her and have a relationship far away, but she wasn't interested in it. He says, what do I do, Dad? I said, son, walk in love. I said, do you remember me talking to you about what love was about? Yeah. Just do it don't expect anything back, just do it. And so he did it. And then he did it, and nothing happened. And he did it, and nothing happened. And so finally, after a couple of months, she she called him up and said, hey, I, I, I'm coming back. I'm going to come back to college over in over Denton. And can we see each other? And he goes, why? And he goes, she goes, you've just been so loving. So she, she's moving back. And she wants to have another relationship. And he came to me and goes, Dad, he says, you know what, this is the first time I ever realized, you're pretty smart. <laughs> I looked at him and I go, no, son. God's smart. All I told you was to love her like he would love you. And then he kind of said, yeah, Dad. He says, I know I've kind of walked away from the Lord, but I think there's a lot of hope. And that was it. That was our conversation. But it, it, it showed me that... Just by consistently loving him without any type of expectations, then it was jo- God's job to work with him. Does it always work when we love people? No. Should we fear when it doesn't work? No. Because God's love's working in us. God's job is to change them, our job is to show them God's love. And so he goes on and says in verse 20. If someone says, I love God and and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In other words, if we're trying to love other people in a way that's not consistent with God, we're fooling ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. And a lot of times when we think we're we're, we're walking in love and, and we're struggling or we're in fear, because we're on the throne of our heart. We're trying to do it our way. We're trying to do it on our, our understanding. But the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. It might not be the way you want it to, but it will be the way that He'll be able to reach those other people in His time. And until then, we have to be at peace with God. We have to have the patience of God. We have to be gentle in all our ways. So what I would say is that if you are finding yourself walking in some kind of fear of uncertainty, and, and that's what uncertainty is. Uncertainty is fear because we're, it's not trusting God. Then you need to ask yourself, where am I not walking in love? Where am I not walking the way Christ walked? So I want to show you something in, in conclusion. What time is that?
0: 7.30. Okay.
1: Go to Ephesians 5 with me.
2: Hallelujah.
1: Can somebody read Ephesians 5, 1 through 3 for me?
3: Therefore be imitators of God, as dearly love children, and walk in love, as the Messiah also loved us and gave himself for us. A sacrificial and fragrant offering to God, but sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, heard of among you, as it is proper for saints. Coarse and foolish talking, talking or crude joking, are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. Okay. You, stop?
1: Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Now, notice what Paul says here. First of all, in in this, he's pleading to us to what? Be imitators of God. Paul's not saying, look at me. Look at me. No, he's saying, look at God. Be imitators of God. That's the plea that he's given to you. And then he says, be imitators of God as what? Be loved children. In other words, he's saying, as God has loved you, now imitate that. That was God's plan from the beginning, that we are to imitate God's love as beloved children. And he even says to us, this is how, walk in love. What's walking? It's moving. It's moving forward. Sometimes you walk sideways because you're avoiding something. But walking is always movement. We must be walking in love. In some manner, in some way, to everyone. And as we walk in love, it says, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself, what? As a
2: sacrifice to
1: God. Yeah. You know what God's saying here? Walking Mm -hmm. in love is a sacrifice. It's going to greet you. It's going to rub you wrong. It's going to cause you agitation. It's going to cause you irritation. It's going to make you feel like everything's going wrong. And you know why? Because God's turning you into his Christ-like son. He's taking the flesh away. And he's working on you. Everything that Christ did was a sacrifice from the day he was born. He had to be about his father's work. And you know what his father's work was? I'll tell you in one simple sentence. Not my will thine be done, Father. That's the walk that Jesus wants us to have like him. As As an offering and a sacrifice to God, watch this, as a fragrant aroma. The fragrant aroma is talking about here is the one that they used in the Holy of Holies, where they would take specific spices and they would ground them and grate them and mix them together and burn them. And God told the Israelites, this fragrance is for my holy temple only. And if it was burned anywhere else, they would die. And God said, this fragrant aroma of love is mine alone. And if you do not do it for me, you'll die. You know the type of death you'll do? You'll walk after the flesh. Because the Bible says in Romans 8, the, the, the mind that is set on the spirit is what? Life and peace. But the mindset on the flesh is death. Not physical death. Deterioration of your mind, your spirit. Not your spirit in the sense of, because if you're with Christ, you've got Christ's spirit. But just the working of your soul. There will be a deterioration of your being able to walk as a Christian. So we need to walk as as a living sacrifice. And then Paul gave us examples. He says, immorality, impurity, greed... No filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting, they're not fitting. These are all the opposites of what it shows us in the action fruit. And so what he's saying here is walk in love. Do you see any of these things that are of the flesh? Walk around them. Walk in love. If you see somebody that needs love, love them. Love them. Going back to First John. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Chapter 5, I want to just read verse 1 and 2. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the children born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and we observe his commandments, verse 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments to walk in love, Watch us, and his commandments are not burdensome. It is not a burden to walk in love. It is not a burden to not be rude. It is not a burden to not take into consideration the wrong-suffered. It is not a burden to endure and believe and hope, because our trust is in God. our trust is in the love that He has shed abroad in our heart. Our trust is that His word is faithful. And it will do what He has sent it to accomplish. It may take some time. Everybody's different. But God is faithful. And because of that, we can faithfully honor Him and glorify Him by walking in love. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that tonight you have given us an example in Jesus to walk in love. That you are love, God. God is love. And your love comes from you into our hearts from Christ's Spirit. Father, your love is full, it is complete, it is lacking nothing towards transforming us into Christ's likeness. But like your Son, we must will our will to will the will of you, Father. It is our choice to love others. And that by doing that, Father, we prove our love to you. Help us, Lord, to not be burdened in this. Help us to rejoice that you have given us a practical way to grow in your son, to grow in your spirit. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit will use our conscience to guide us and direct us in our walk of love towards others. Show us, Father, that our walk of love towards you is the foundation for everything we do. May the motive of our heart be to walk in love, Father, that you might be glorified. And Lord, when we choose not to walk in your love, help us to see that the fear that we feel, the lack of peace we feel, is an indicator of pointing to a lack of trust and faith in you working in us, Lord. Help us to be honest with ourselves, honest with you. Help us to grow in your grace, Father. Thank you, Father, for forgiveness when we fail to walk in love. But even more so, Father, thank you that we can get right back up and continue to walk. We thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I've got some notes for you after we're done here. called Solutions for Appropriating God's Love. I gave you notes earlier just as as outlines of of the book of John and also another study I did on love that you can do. But I want to also just pass out the Solutions for Appropriating God's Love. In other words, what do we do when we blow it? So help you understand what God says we can do to get back up on our feet and continue
0: to walk in love. Pastor? Do you have any questions or comments? Input.
2: Mine, mine is, is the struggle of of showing that that action love because you said you said 22. You're showing him love, but. In a way, that wasn't a burden that he just kept throwing it back at you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that that's this world environment as we love our brothers, and it's, and it's pretty easy to, for me to to show love to everyone in this room. Because I know everyone in this room is striving for the same thing. You know, Christ, the knowledge of, our love for Him. And it's easy to share that here. But going out into the world, that physical that, that physical act, uh, I realize that there needs to be this growth in this love. And you say that that's that action, that action love. Um, that difficulty, unless you're extremely witty, and you can counter someone's statement that's a very negative and a hateful, you know, statement of, of um, at a Bible study last night, new neighbors across the street, why are you... Why you got to park here? Why are you holding the Bible study there? There's churches. You can go do your Bible study there. Yeah, true. And I had heard about this earlier. I got in the car and I just said, "The light over on that house, Lord. You know, they, <laughs> there's a new battle in town. You know, what can I do? You know, he, respectively." Moved his car, made sure there's plenty of parking. Called us all, don't park in front of their house, you know, and showing that loving and that kindness. Right. But it looks like, yeah, okay. I mean, there's going to be agitation. You know, these these people need to see that love, but a, a strong feeling that that's going to be rejected. There's going to be, you know, a problem until there's a breakthrough there. But, you know, it's just a, an everyday example of what you what you face.
1: Right. Um, I find that when I feel rejection, it's a sign for me that I'm seeking my own. I want something to happen that I'm planning. Instead of just allowing whatever's happening, ask ask God to give me the grace or the understanding to deal with it. Um, and, and doing so in a way that, you know, when when the Bible <clears throat> says that uh, love does not act unbecomingly, Sometimes the best way to respond to somebody who's agitating you and being mean to you is to not say a word. Let them think that they won. But as long you as... We'll, huh? You planted a seed there. Huh?
2: You planted a seed there. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. You can't change... You can't teach them or change their attitude. That's God's job. You know, just like you said earlier. And, but you... By like, uh, giving a person the Right word in those times, that's the seed in the world growing to him. Like your boy, you know, you worked on him a long time, you got rejected. Yeah, which I know I got a 22 year old, (laughs) but loving him and showing how you live and how you love God, they'll come around. Right, I believe you. Like it's really
1: changing, you know, for the good. He's coming back to Christ. Yeah. Yeah, the CG plant are not gonna go I have
2: I've frustrated over that for many, many years, you know. Well you're getting away from you know God. What am I gonna do? Right. Um mm-hmm. keep loving.
1: It. Yeah. My my sixteen year old is following the same path as my yeah. older son and I asked him the other day, son, why why don't you want to go to church anymore? And he was he said, Dad, I'll be honest with you, he says, When I go to church I'm convicted. All I needed to know. <laughs> I just went away and just said, "Lord, keep it up, <laughs> keep it up." You know, but but you know, I think for all of us, we have to measure about how our love is, um because love isn't always about the way people treat us or act us. Sometimes love is about the way we treat other people. um I, you know, when I was there's a lot of long a lot of things that I did in the name of Christ. I would share scripture with people, right? without them asking me. And God finally got to a point where he convicted me. He said, that's bragging. And love doesn't brag. Mm-hmm. So now, I don't share scripture unless I'm asked. Or unless it's in a, a group where we're talking about it. You know, So we have to look at our internal motives, too. Is our internal motives about love? Or are we doing it for ourselves, you know, to be seen? Uh, when well, I was
3: in college, I was working here. The classic dude was um uh, It was during a Christmas break. and uh, I got a customer's car for it, brought it up to her Actually, she was getting in it and I told her Merry Christmas and have a happy New Year. And um uh, she was like, Oh sweetheart, I'm not I'm not Christian, I'm it and I was like, That's okay, no one's perfect but still happy Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> well apparently she, she didn't she took that wrong from how I meant it. You know, yeah, I didn't mean yeah. that she was she was wrong. I was like I just meant no one's perfect. No. I mean <laughs> and, and still but uh, Merry Christmas. And she called my boss, and I guess when she got home, she called the dealership manager. The, manager. the manager talked to my boss, the service manager, and called the office, and he's like, now did you wish a lady who doesn't worship Jesus to wish her a Merry Christmas? I was like, I sure did. I was like, is that why I'm getting called in here? I got in trouble for telling somebody Merry Christmas. Well, it's not so much what you said, it's how you said it. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, apparently you also said that it's okay, she's not perfect. I said, no, so, no one's perfect. And I still, I told him you know, again what I said. He's like, well, she took it as you meant she wasn't perfect. I was like, no. It's all about how you say it and how yeah. you express that love. Yeah. You know, but still from then on, um, I didn't work there much longer. I think I worked there six months. Six months <laughs> Six, six <four> months <laughs>
1: Too many calls.
3: <laughs> no, it wasn't that it was So... so after that, you know, I wasn't allowed, he told me I was allowed to talk about Jesus and my religion to anybody anymore. And, uh, we had a, our, it was before Christmas, I remember we had our company dinner, and they wanted to say a prayer. And I started praying, I was like, wait a second, I thought you said we weren't allowed to talk about our religion here at And they just looked at me, and, uh, these managers Yes, it matters. Would you like to say the prayer? I was like, I sure would. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But I mean, it was. I don't know, I found a. Oh, that's right. I went to work at the water department after that. Yeah. I mean, it was just. This just little yeah. things like that. It's how. It's how you got it. How you talk to people. and How you show their love. Yeah. Uh, right.
1: It's yeah. We, uh, and and we can't and we can't be accountable for what how people treat us either. We I mean. There are there are there are very loving sincere Christians who hurt other Christians, and regardless of that, we need to walk in love even in those circumstances. Yeah. Even though it's hard, because we say to ourselves, "Well, you're a Christian. Why would you be doing that?" But that's not the point. The point is, is that no matter what is done, we need to walk in love.
0: If if your if our love was a candle, my love or your love was a candle, where would it be most obvious? In this room where everybody's loving each other, room full of candles, would it really be that obvious? The be obvious in the dark. Yeah. Uh, when a jeweler shows off a diamond, yeah. he just, here's a diamond in that box of diamonds. Yeah. No, he pulls that thing out, and puts it against something that really shows it off. Contrast, like a rude neighbor. And uh, with that comes wisdom. Jesus said, agree quickly with your adversary. Yeah. So if you can figure out how to agree, like, okay, our people will not park in front of your property, even though he doesn't own the road. <laughs> yeah, no. But you can.
2: Well, it was offered up. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah.
0: You don't understand church isn't a building. It's It's us. Yeah. My house is a church. And we have freedom of religion. But anyway, you didn't argue with him. I think he did great. Just show him love and fry him a chicken sometime.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, sometime. He just doesn't know you. We have fellowship, we eat. Yeah. Tim, yeah, that. But, yeah. Well, you know, to me, I always think of the other extreme, though, too. You know, when you say love and love your brother, and, you know. the extreme is the Catherine Kuhlman. You know, it's just look like she was a la la land all the time because of her, her this <coughs> uh, yeah. you know, you wouldn't expect anything hateful to come out of her because she was this, yeah. uh, you know little um, you know, Jesus freak, very uh, you know, uh-huh. you kind know, yeah. like whoa but public, it, it, it's, it's hard to show it in a yeah, in, in a in a way that all of a sudden it's like this turned on you and you're, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything later, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. wow, you know, wow, you yeah. just kind of walk away with that, yeah. wow, you know, golly. Yeah. You, you know, the one you, what, know, you want to I'm, just shut up. Before that, I mean, and I grew up, I got to finish high school in the city, in, in Arlington, so I was
3: surrounded by, oh, I had a bunch of friends, I had friends that were Muslim, um, Buddhist, uh, atheist, yeah, you know. So right we all, we all got along. You know, we were friends, and like we hung out at lunch. We went to the movies after school, that kind of stuff. But we all just got along, and you know, like Khalil, his family is Muslim, Islamic. I went and had dinner with them. You know, I said I got to pray with them before we ate. And just like Christian family that I had growing up, they said prayer before they ate. I guess they let me say a prayer that I could understand. <laughs> I would speak Arabic and, uh, or Aramaic, what they speak. And, uh, and I said amen, and they said amen as well when I finished my prayer. And we all just got along. And that, that was like my first time ever meeting somebody that expressing my religion honestly offended them. And it was like a shock to me. I was like, wow. Yeah. You
0: know?
3: And I've always taken took others. Took another, you know, hang out with, like, let's well, hang out with Khalil. I mean, I got, I went to uh, uh, Mass with him and learned their, their religion. Really not too different from ours. They they worship Muhammad as the prophet. You know, they see him as a prophet. They don't totally recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. They see him as a prophet mm-hmm. another prophet. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God sent here to save us from ourselves.
2: But,
0: um, you learn how to agree with your adversary. Yeah, but, yeah, there you go. yeah that's Do good. That yeah, there there is a time to stand for righteousness and be mm-hmm. firm. Uh, Sheriff Harden, I apologize for now. Remember, you were here last week, but uh, last week he shared the most amazing story of a drug dealer in his neighborhood that he couldn't get other law enforcement agencies involved in cleaning up his neighborhood, so he had kind of a solo project of doing it, and you did it in the most loving, gentle, persistent way, and put that boy out of business. Yeah, I love that, yeah, I love that, yeah, yeah.
2: What parking in front of his house with the lights And no, no. stopped everybody that came no. away from his house. he just stopped his customers. Isn't that called intimidation?
0: <laughs> no. No, they had things wrong with, wrong with their cars, <laughs> there's something wrong.
2: And Dopers can't drive a car without having something wrong with it. Well, I watched that cop. Well, yeah, your brain's not working. That's why I pulled you over, buddy. Uh, Where's the
0: directions? directions. I'll
2: make one
0: Go ahead, Charlie.
2: You've touched on a subject that's dearest to my heart uh, several times. And, uh, in the beginning, near the beginning, the very first mandate God gives the man the very first thing, and I I have taken it uh, the latter years of my life as the core of love between people, it's the core thing. Uh, and then, uh Genesis 2.24, and it's, and it's referenced several times in New Testament. And they shall become one flesh. Uh, I've been married twice. Uh, I firmly believe that God sent a messenger when he sent me my second one. I've been married to now for 30-something years. <clears throat> in that the specifics of how to handle that relationship Clear, real short, real concise, and you you got close to them, and that's uh, in Ephesians chapter five, which is a wife instruction. The other thing that you didn't quite put together because you were other things. <clears throat> we talk we talk about the wife in obedience in three verses. We and nine verses telling us What we got to do to get that? It's clear, in my mind. And those things practiced at home, which one, uh, which I've started implementing more and more and more the longer we're together. And as you get old, things start happening or They're not the same love at the first. It's it's different. Uh, you start losing memory, both of you, a little hearing, maybe this, that, and the other. And we found ourselves in the last couple of years kind of kicking uh, an argument. You didn't hear me? Well, that kind of little stuff pops up when everything's been together for so many years. And I don't know which one of us said it, but we came to the conclusion that we practiced the fifth chapter for 30 years.
0: We really we talk about it. I mostly talk about it because I never can fulfill my part. <laughs> uh,
2: when you're natural with some things that men just have a hard time with, it, and it has to do probably with it. ego. <clears throat> but we have had to say, and and he introduced me as a very loving husband last week, and I hope that uh, I hope that, that uh, is recognized because <clears throat> I I can't even talk about it. I feel so passionate about the love I have for my wife. But we had to say just in the last few weeks, you know, we need to practice more patience with one another. Because when you get old and your mind is still and your heart's still, your body starts wearing down, and it's aggravating. Mm -hmm. And when you're looking at another person that's growing with you, they think that's a little bit different. So, Um, it's a reflection, like you said, about your son. You got to lose because he's like you. But it's so close in relationship, if you make it the paramount thing in your life, Mm -hmm. as loving your own flesh, that (laughs) when she does what you're already doing, you know, and and, and we recognize that. And it's, it's something new to work on. The same old stuff, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. and you and you'll find as you get older. And if you you hang in there and <clears you're throat> on board both of you with the love of Christ in you and uh, studying together, reading the Bible together, and those things. Although there's so many so much difference between men and women, <clears throat> it's a it's a new beginning every day can yeah. be. And I yeah. find marriages get through the through the. Learning points, the learning of the first 20 years or whatever, <coughs> usually when you're younger. Um, the newness wears off. But I guarantee you, take it from me, If you follow what you have taught tonight and practice that right there. Right there, but sooner or later, you say you get along up, the kids are gone, it's just you and, you and her in the house. And there's room
1: for newness. but you've got to keep looking.
2: You've got to look good. for it. you got to
1: recognize it. That's good. you got to ask good. God to bless you with it and surround you with the
2: Spirit so as to show you. Anyway, that's
0: all I have for you. That's good. Um, <clears throat> when there's reciprocation, reciprocation in a loving relationship, it's wonderful. Amen. But love is most obvious when there's not reciprocation. when you feel taken for granted, and you still love anyway in action and word and attitude, that's when it becomes obvious that she or he or them are loved. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when they're unloving, and if you want to reciprocate with the unlovingness, then what does that do? That just recreates itself. You know there's a seed you want to harvest okay go for it um, but when you choose to use the soil of people's brokenness sinfulness selfishness and so the seed of love sacrificial which is what agape is sacrificial love in spite of it being reciprocation you have to trust god it's the love of christ He he died for people that weren't reciprocating so like a diamond Against the backdrop of blackness, there he hung for us. Anyway, anybody else before we go to the phones?
1: I just want to say one thing. You know, the thing that is important about walking in a God that you love is that when you love them, it disarms them from attacking you. When when they can't get a, re, a reaction out of you, and they can't get you to do what they want you to do, it disarms them. Because what it does is if they can't blame you for that fleshly action or attitude, then that leaves them alone with God. <laughs> and God does his work, you know. And he does it in his time because he knows their hearts. But it disarms them in the sense that they they don't they can't point the finger at you. They can't use you as an example, you know, and, and I have found that over the years that Making the choice to walk in love is simply, is a very simple thing. What? It's like a a light switch. Okay? These lights are empowered by power that comes through the wires, that comes from the power station. Well, the power station is is God. The wires is the Holy Spirit, and the energy is residing in here. We turn off that light switch, it makes it dark in here. We can't see what's going on. When we choose to walk in love, we turn the light switch on, and we see what's going on. And we respond the way God says to respond. The one thing I found out that is that light switch is my will. And that's mm-hmm. what causes the light to come on or off. causes me to either walk in love or walk in the flesh. It's that simple.
0: So do we choose to be Teflon when it comes to be of offended? Or do we mature in becoming Teflon when people try to offend oh, us? I'm
2: third because I probably fall into a third category. Or you just give up and turn off the switch and walk out the door. And just yeah, but that's not loving. Yeah. No, but it's, it's it's. I said it's giving up. You know, when the when months turn into years, and you just reach a point where you don't care.
0: Yeah. Well, but, but that, no. the opposite of love is neglect. It's not even fighting. So. I believe in making room for Jesus in some situations. Some people are so on so uh much into animosity, provoking you. You are showing them kindness by not punching them out. And just backing off, making room for the Lord, rather than writing them off. That's judging. But judging the situation, I'm making room for Jesus. Somebody asked me last week, what do you do with somebody you can't stand? Thought, Who is it I can't stand? Forgive seven times uh, seven. I said, well, I I, I I try to practice making room for Jesus. Hey, brothers, mm-hmm. any input for us?
2: Hey, Vince, good job. Thank you. Oh, along when you. You are definitely a surveyor of the Word, so I enjoyed it a lot. Um thing that I did want to point out is that this passage that you had uh contains just a statement we love him because he first loved us, and i think I think it was um Charles Spurgeon that wrote i don't know maybe maybe ten sermons on just that little statement, and his point was that uh you know sometimes the devil would lie to us and say that our love is weak or feeble or, or not, you know, not what it's supposed to be, but that's the devil lying because our love originates with God. So, good, that's
0: good. Thank you.